Hey, everybody, I am so glad that we're together again, and that includes wherever you are. So if you're out on the patio, man, praise God, it's so good we get to be together. Uh, maybe you're driving in your car. Maybe you're sitting at home. Uh, maybe some of you are uh, in your pajamas. I don't know. But, but I, you know what? When the church family comes together, something powerful happens. So again, welcome. And if you're visiting, uh, I am so glad that you are willing to come and be a part of what we're doing right now. And I hope this is an incredible, meaningful time for you. Let me tell you what's coming in not uh, about three weeks, but you only have two weeks to do this. So you only got two weeks to take action on this. That is to get an Isaiah journal. Now, uh, we have this journal in English and in Spanish uh, starting in September, which is right around the corner. Uh, we're going to be starting a study in the book of Isaiah. So I want to encourage you to do this. Start a Q group. Now, what's a Q group? A Q group is a quarantine group. It's people you feel comfortable being with during the quarantine. By the way, you could do it uh, live. You could do it virtually. But I'd love for you to start a Q group. So what you do, just say to some friends, hey, let's do this together. Uh, during this season, by the way, man, people need connection. You need connection. People that you know need connection. And we need more, not less of that. So I want to encourage you to, to get a hold of some people and say, hey, let's do this together. Order your journal from Amazon.com, search Chuck Boer, or go to Crossroads Church. Uh, crossroadschurch.family. And, um, and, and so what you can do then is order it. And then what you'll do every day is yeah, you'll starting September 7th is go through the journal, then get together sometime during that week and discuss what God's teaching you. I think you're going to have really rich discussion. I think you're going to really get to know each other better. And you're going to be more focused on God and, and especially on Jesus. So make sure and get a journal, English or Spanish, and be a part of that with us. Don't wait because it's coming faster than you think. So I'm really excited for that for you. But we're in a series right now called Get in the Game. And uh, uh, there's, there's two thoughts I want to give you as we begin this time together. One, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, by the time I'm done today, I'm wanting you to be able to know how to share the gospel with somebody. I want you to know what the gospel is, and I want you to know how to share it in a very clear way. And I'm going to give you a tool to do that with. So uh, we'll be talking to you about that. So please, please lean in, tune in, get ready. I want to show you how using the book of Romans... Uh, you'll be able to actually share very clearly the gospel. You'll know what it is and how to share it with a friend or a family member. Uh, if you're brand new to all this, maybe you're new to faith, you're new to Christianity, maybe you, you've never opened the Bible before, or, or maybe you've fallen away from a relationship with the Lord and you're, you're hoping to come back or wondering if you'll come back, I, I want you to listen too, because I want to share with you the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want to talk to you about how you go on a journey, how you travel a path, how you go on the road that brings you back into that relationship or for the first time into that relationship with Jesus and what happens after that. And we're going to use the book of Romans to do that. But you know, the interesting thing is this, that uh, when, when we live in a world like we're in today and you start asking this question, do you think you'll go to heaven or do you think your family will go to heaven or your friends will go to heaven? Uh, most of the time our answer is, well, yeah, I do. And then we ask why. And the answer is because I'm a good person or they're a good person. And, and I start thinking about this. How good? How good are we? How good are you? How good am I? Think about that. How good? So I want you to think about the goodness scale. And what do I mean by that? When somebody dies, almost always I hear everybody say, well, I know they're in a better place. And then if you ever do ask the question, not meanly, but you ask the question, why do you think that? Here's the answer you always get, because they were a good person. I mean, good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. But one of the things that's so interesting about it is very few people are considered bad. Somehow, some way, we all have this relativity in our minds that makes us incredibly good, at least good enough to go to heaven. So you're good enough to go to heaven. Your mom's good enough to go to heaven. Of course, your mom's good enough to go to heaven. Uh, your friends are good enough to go to heaven. Uh, your boss, <laughs> question mark there maybe. But you know what? What if there was a scale? What if we had to ask the question, how good 
is good? And how good do you have to be uh, to be able to get there? Uh, and let me give you an example of that. Uh, for instance, I would say that almost everybody would agree that Adolf Hitler is not good. I don't know that there'd even be a whole lot of uh, uh, arguing over that. As a matter of fact, here's what's wild. I just had a discussion with my grandson on this very subject, and I brought up Hitler, and he right away said, oh, yeah, Papa, he's not good. So we would definitely put Hitler down there at the bottom of the scale. And so that's where Hitler would be, right? I, I'm probably right with Hitler, I would agree. Charles Manson. Anybody going to argue with Charles Manson? If you think, no, 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 Charles Manson's good, put it in the chat. <laughs> no one's putting anything in the chat, I bet money. Why? Manson's not considered good. And so we would agree that he would probably go somewhere in the area with Adolf Hitler. So now you start looking. We've got Hitler, we've got Manson at the bad. Wherever they are is bad. Now here's the thing. Who makes it over there? Well, what about Mother Teresa? I'm going to say Mother Teresa is a good person. Uh, I think almost everybody would say Mother Teresa is a good person. Uh, but here's what I want you to know. Even she said she wasn't perfect. Uh, in her writing, she talked about struggles she had. Uh, uh, she talked about issues that came up in her life. Again, maybe compared to me, not as bad as me. But Mother Teresa was aware of sin in her life, of imperfection in her life. So she would not say on a scale of 1 to 10, she'd be a 10. But she definitely would be more than a 5. And she definitely would be more closer to what all of us consider is good, even God. And so what I want you to do is think about Mother Teresa over there. So now we have Martin Luther King Jr., who, by the way, is a pastor. And most pastors would consider him a hero. Uh, because here's a man who was a preacher who preached the word. Matter of fact, some of his sermons are off the charts incredible. One's called A Knock at Midnight. If you want to hear a great Martin Luther King Jr. sermon, A Knock at Midnight. But you know what? I think he was a good man, but even he admitted to failure. Even if he admitted to times of coming up short. And so I would put him close to Mother Teresa, at least if not with her. So now that's what you do with her. Now, what about me? What about me? Where would I put me? And so that might be the question, because I, I don't believe I'm Hitler or Manson. I don't think that I'm Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King Jr., but I do believe I'm more than a five. I mean, I really try. I really care. I, I, when I mess up, I even apologize, which to me almost sounds like what a good person would do. So I'm not going to be Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King Jr., but I am going to put myself over there. And then <laughs> you got Pam Boer. Well, there's no doubt about this in my mind. Pam is way better than me. Uh, I married out of my league, you guys. It's a miracle. Some people ask, do you believe in miracles? I say, look at I got Pam is my wife. I believe in miracles. And so Pam definitely is someone I'm going to put above me. But sorry, Pam, not quite Mother Teresa. Then we have this question. What about Donald Trump and Gavin Newsom? <laughs> not even going to go there. Not even going to go there. <laughs> We're not going to do that, okay? But, but what we are going to ask the question is, where would you be? Where would you be on the goodness scale? Are you Manson? I doubt it. Are you Mother Teresa? I'm almost sure you're not. And here's what you need to think about. Only one person is truly good. In Romans, we're going to see the Bible's clear. There is none good, no, not one. Because how bad do you have to be to not be good? How many times are you not good that makes you not good? And only one, only one was perfect. Only one was sinless. Only one was truly good. And that's Jesus. Jesus was without sin. Jesus was without failure. Jesus was truly good. Compared to Jesus, none of us, none of us are truly good. So we're going to see what God's answer is to all of our need, because all of us are going to, one way or another, have to admit that if good gets you to heaven, we're not good enough to get there. So the good news is, the good news is that there is something that gets you to heaven apart from goodness, and it's for you, and it's because God loves you. So how good are you? How good are you? So how good are you? 
uh, you know what? One time I was talking to somebody and they said that. They said, you know what? I, overall, I feel like I'm a good person and that's why they would go to heaven. They actually believed in heaven and believed in hell. So that wasn't the issue. The issue is what does it take to get to heaven or what do you have to do to end up in hell? And uh, they actually did. They started talking about that overall, they're good. But see, again, they had, as you saw on that scale, a relativistic view of what good is. So I asked this question. I said, would you agree Mother Teresa is good? And the person right away said, oh, for sure. And I said, what if she was the standard? What if you had to be as good as Mother Teresa to go to heaven? Would you go? And they said, no. Right away, they didn't even try. They weren't gonna pretend. See, here's what I want you to think about God. God is the one who sets the standard. God is the one who measures who gets to go to heaven and who doesn't. And by the way, it's going to come down to something that very often we, we need to understand, we need to talk about. And again, if you're a believer, really listen to this. And if you're brand new, listen to. It's called the gospel. It's called the gospel. The word gospel means good news. And it really is good news. And, and so God wants you to know the good news of how he has paved a way uh, so that you can actually come to know his love and come to be a person who, if you were to die, uh, that you would go to heaven. And, and God actually wants you there. But, but you got to understand the good news. And in Romans chapter one, we see something really cool. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And it were, again, the word gospel means the good news for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So you have to believe uh, in this good news. You have to believe in Jesus. We'll get to that in a minute. But he said, it's the power of God for everybody. See, one of the things you need to know is you talk about equality. There's a lot of talk today about the need for equality to be real. Well, guess what? There is equality. We've all sinned. We all need Jesus and we all deserve hell. But the good news is that for everyone, everybody of all races, tribes, tongues, nations, for everyone, God says, you know what? I've got good news. I, I love you all, and if you'll believe, if you'll trust in me, if you'll go to this gospel power, then you get to go to heaven. And he says, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Uh, the word faith might be best understood as loving trust. Uh, uh, to actually not just trust someone, but to have a loving trust in that person or, or in that particular thing. And, and so Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. By the way, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This church is not ashamed of the gospel. Right now, if that's you, you know, I'd say it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Turn to somebody and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Or put it in the chat. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? It's the power of God for salvation. Uh, and that's everything we're going to be talking about. So you need to understand that. But here's the other thing you need to understand. Sometimes, sometimes to understand the good news, you have to understand the bad news. Uh, if you uh, don't know what's wrong with you, then, then you're not going to appreciate how something can be so right for you. Uh, let me give you an example of that. Uh, Nathan uh, uh, was a little boy who, uh, uh, starting about seven, eight years old, all of a sudden started acting out. Now, when I say acting out, he was not only hard to handle, but he was beyond strong-willed. Nathan actually became very violent. Uh, his anger would go up just off the charts explosive. Uh, he screamed at his mom and his dad. He, they, he refused to obey them. Uh, he became destructive around the house. And he went from being this really wonderful child to uh, this almost demonic child. And his mom and dad didn't know what to do with them. Then when he was nine years old and he was at school, he was out on the playground and he violently attacked a little girl, a fellow student. Now it was not just one hit, which would have been bad enough. It was a violent, violent attack. And his mother and father were obviously didn't know what to do. They had tried everything and nothing seemed to be working. And it was getting worse and worse and worse. And now they're actually, now he's not only expelled from school, there's talk of institutionalizing a nine-year-old. And uh, they were Christians and they're praying to God and calling out to him. And 
and, and saying, God, is there any hope for our child? We don't even know what's wrong with him. And uh, a relative heard about what happened to that little girl. And they said, have you ever, ever considered maybe he has a brain injury? Did he ever fall when he was little? Uh, did anything like that occur? And, and they remembered a time that he did have a really bad fall. So they were able to get a hold of a, a man who, by the way, was a neuroscientist, but also a Christian neuroscientist. And they told him what was going on. And he said, well, let's start by finding out if there is anything wrong. And uh, he went through two uh, a kinds of spec scan and then a, another kind of brain scan. And they discovered a cyst in his brain. By the way, in the area of the brain that would actually cause someone to be more likely prone to violence. And this neuroscientist said, I, I'm pretty sure that's it. And they did a brain surgery on him and removed the cyst. And when he woke up, he was completely different. When he woke up, he was that, not, not mentally, he was still at the age and he should be mentally, but he had that sweetness of back when he was seven and eight. And they couldn't believe it. It was a miracle. But here's the thing. It was good news when they found out what was wrong. When they didn't know what was wrong, they were beside themselves. Here's what I want you to know. Uh, when we begin to look at the good news, the good news of what the book of Romans teaches us, then what we begin to see is that God is going to start by saying, before I tell you the good news, I got to tell you what's wrong. And before I tell you the cure, I got to talk about the disease. By the way, I, I got to talk to Dr. Ray Slayman, a medical doctor uh, and a pastor, and I'm going to have you hear from him in a minute. But Dr. Slayman uh, was not a Christian and became a Christian reading the book of Romans. But he said this, he said, I realized something that, that in the book of Romans, it talks about what's wrong, the disease. And then I found out about the cure. He goes, that's what I would do as a doctor is I would bring you in and say, here's my diagnosis of your disease. And here's, here's the good news of the cure. And, and again, I'm going to say this to you. If you're a believer, I actually, everybody, everybody, we want to get you a tool to be able to use that you can actually carry on your phone or have it on your computer uh, that will allow you to be able to walk somebody from the bad news to the good news and beyond. And it's called the Roman Roadmap of Salvation. So so we're going to send you this. Now, how do you get it? You need to get our app. Uh, it, it just download our app at the end of this time together. Uh, we will be sending everybody this. Uh, so that's how we're doing it. If you download our app, go to an app store, download it, and, and the Crossroads Church, uh, uh, Crossroads CA, you go to Crossroads CA app. There's a bunch of Crossroads in there. So make sure you go to Crossroads CA and uh, download the app, and then we'll send you the graphic. By the way, if you don't have an ability to do that, you can email me, chuck at crossroadschurch.com. Chuck at crossroadschurch.com, and I'll get this to you. But we're going to go through that together and show you how we start with sin and then we travel the road to solution uh, and so, uh, surrender and salvation. And, and the book of Romans does that for you and with you. So let's go to the starting point. Number one, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong is sin. We all have sin. The word sin literally means to miss the mark. If you don't hit the bullseye, if you don't hit the perfect moment, the, the right spot, anything varying off from that is sin. Uh, I don't know what kind of a TV service you have, but we have direct TV. And so we have a satellite. And one time my TV was not working and I called up. They came out and they found out, are you ready for this? Our satellite somehow now was a half a degree off. Uh, of being aimed where it should be. Now, because of that, we had no reception. We had no connection. And, and, and the, the technician told me this. He said, a half a degree here is thousands of miles off in space. So it can't even be close. By the way, a little bit of sin makes you a sinner. And what does it say in Romans chapter one, verse 18? It says, for the wrath of God, the wrath of God, God's anger is revealed from heaven against, look at that word, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. Now don't miss that. God said, nobody has an excuse. It is evident inside you there's a God. It's evident inside you you need to love. It's evident inside you that you need to care. That's evident. It's evident inside you truth, not lying. By the way, it's all cultures, all people, all time. 
And he said, it's clear inside you. It's also clear another way. He goes, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. So in your conscience, you know there's a God and in creation, you know there's a God. You may not understand everything, but you can know about God through those two ways. And God says, so I get angry. I am actually have wrath against anybody who's ungodly or unrighteous ungodly or unrighteous, that you don't know God and you don't live for God and, and commit your life to God or, and, or you, you have unrighteousness in your life. That's where you don't do the right things. Uh, so he said that that's been clearly seen that in your conscience and creation uh, being understood for what has been made so that they are without excuse. Nobody has an excuse for even though they knew God, somehow in your heart and mind, you knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts are darkened. So God is angry against all ungodliness. God is angry against all unrighteousness. So you need to know that God, because he loves, actually also gets angry. And the wrath of God is revealed. And by the way, it's revealed in, uh, uh, against us. Uh, God says, I am really, really not happy with what you've done and who you've been. And there needs to be a price paid for that. So we need to understand that. Uh, by the way, Dr. Slayman, again, uh, uh, when he was a, a young, single medical doctor, very successful, he had never read a Bible. He had never, ever really been exposed to Christianity. He was, a, 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 you know, in any real way. Uh, he had some kind of a, 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 at times his mom might bring him to church or something, but never in a real way uh, that what happened is one day God spoke to him. So in his conscience, in his mind, God reached out to him. And uh, by the way, if you want to hear the whole story, uh, go to my podcast, What's Up with Pastor Chuck. And, and it, I sat there getting chills as he's talking about how God reached out to him. But I want you to catch this. He, was, he had a voice say to him, open the Bible, but he didn't know what that meant. And someone had given him a Bible one time and he went and found it. It was just on a bookshelf somewhere, but he never opened it. And then he looked at it and thought, where do I open? And he he called somebody who he knew might know the answer to that. And they said, start with Romans. And he did. And a guy who had never read the Bible, didn't really know anything about God, except for a voice saying, open the Bible, went and did it. Here a part of his story right now. So I started reading in Romans and it looked like a nice story about someone by the name of Paul. I figured that's a nice story book. And Shortly after came a verse in Roman, verse 18. And as I was reading it, I could hear the thunder in that verse. It said, for the wrath of God is declared from heaven against all unrighteousness, ungodliness of men who suppress the truth with their unrighteousness. I became shaken by that. I looked at the verse. I said, God is angry. I wonder who he's angry with. But I decided within me, it couldn't be me because after all, I'm not that bad of a guy. Whatever I do, I do it in secret. I don't bother anybody. People know me as a doctor, so I'm not that bad. And I started reading in Romans chapter one, the rest of the chapter. And I read in Romans chapter one about 22 sins that make God angry. And as I was reading them, Pastor Chuck, I was looking at each one and I saying, this one, I'm doing and this one I'm doing and this one I'm doing and this one it turned out I was doing every single one of those 22 sins that anger God at the end of the reading Romans chapter 1 I was so scared that the book shook in my hand literally I was holding a book that was shaking in my hand and I decided I'm so scared if this book is telling the truth I am heading to hell guaranteed. Wow. 22 sins. By the way, I, I, this man is so intelligent. He's so incredible. I can't wait for you to hear more. But, but what happened is he's reading Romans and he becomes aware that God is angry and angry against sin. By the way, sometimes some people ask this question, if there's a loving God, why is there so much evil in the world? Well, let me tell you that there is a loving God and he's angry at the evil in the world but he's also angry at the evil in you. 
He's angry at the evil in you, and he was angry at the evil in me. And, and you can't get away from that. You can't get around that. Why? Because it starts, when we're on that roadmap, it starts with sin. You need to know where you are, and you're not even close to salvation when you have sin. So here we are in sin. And, and the Bible says that God is angry against individual sin, national sin, and cultural sin. And in Romans 1, he goes into all three. And so he gets angry at you and I when we applaud sin. Most of the media you watch is people applauding sin. And we're in a culture that celebrates it. And you probably have celebrated. And then inside you, it's happening. And of that list of 22 sins, you probably committed all of them more than once more than once. So in Romans chapter three, as we begin to look at sin again, it says, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks out for God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless. Why would he say that? Because when we're not doing what we are created for, we become useless. And, and the vast majority of your time is probably spent on things that aren't going to matter when you die. And so he said, that's useless. And then he said, there is none who does good, not even one. And then it goes on to say, their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they keep deceiving. In other words, we lie. And then we lie again and lie again. The poison of asps, which is a, a serpent, a poisonous snake, is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. So he says, you know what? There's poison in our speak. We say things that are destructive to other people. And then we have cursing and bitterness within us. And, and you know, he said, it comes right out of your mouth. And he said, so there's none good, no, not one. None good, no, not one. And, and you might say, but, but wait a minute. Is that really true? Let me ask you a question. How much bad do you have to do to not be good? How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? You know the answer, don't you? I think you know the answer. One. If you've told one lie, you're a liar, but you've lied way more than that. Uh, uh, if, if I were to kill somebody, how many people do I need to kill to be a murderer? One. You know, it's not like, well, I've only killed one, so therefore I can't be that bad. No. And, and the reality is, is the Bible's clear, you know, that, that we all have sinned. We all have sinned, and we have sinned way more than, than even that. Now, you know, I, use, I love to share this, and by the way, if I were to sit with you and, and show you, see, the book of Romans says you've sinned. There's none good, no, not one. I would say to you this. I would say, you know what? The only reason that you and I can even appear to be good or pretend to be good is because nobody can read our minds. If every thought you ever thought was public, how good would you be? I want you to think about that. If God right now said no more private thoughts, every time you think a thought, everybody around you can, can hear your thought or, or know your thought, how good would you be? By the way, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, would your boss say you're a good person if he could read every thought or she could read every thought that you were thinking? Would your coworkers say you're a good person? Would your friends, would you even have any friends if your friends knew every thought you thought? Uh, some of you men out there, how many times would you have been slapped by a woman who knew every thought you were thinking? I mean, <laughs> come on, let's, let's get down to the brass tacks here. Um, what kind of a, a child would you be to your mom or dad? No matter how old you are, how would your parents feel about the way you think about them sometimes? How about your husband or wife if you're married? But I want to tell you this, that if every thought was thought was now public and not private, nobody would say you're a good person. And God knows every thought you've ever thought and every thought you'll ever think. He knows every word you've ever said, every word you've ever said. And so God says, based on that, none are good, no, not one. So in the Roman roadmap to salvation, now we travel to Romans 3.23 that says this. It says, for all have sinned. All of us have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. So every single person has a sin problem. And, and so we know that. But Dr. Slayman said this, and I, he's right. The good news is God says, There's, here's the disease. Here's what's wrong. Let me tell you what's right. And let me tell you about the cure. So on the roadmap, now we go to the next place. And that is God has a solution. 
this loving God who hates evil, this loving God who's angry at ungodliness and unrighteousness says, I'm not going to leave you here. I'm going to offer you a solution. And in the, now we travel in Romans to Romans chapter five. And in Romans five, it says, for while we were still helpless, in other words, you can't do anything about your sin. I, you, I can't do anything about my sin. So only one can, that's Jesus. So while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So the, the good news, the gospel good news is Jesus loved me and loved you so much, loved your friends so much, your family so much, he died while we were ungodly. And he goes, one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare to die. Uh, he said, you know, most people wouldn't give their life for somebody who was bad. But he says this, he goes, but a good person, maybe you would. He goes, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. That's the good news. No matter how bad you were, he demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified. And, and the word justified is really important. See, right now there's something really wrong and you need to be justified. You need that changed. Uh, right now, you know, it, it, we, you and I, in that moment, if we haven't given our life to Christ yet, we haven't gone through justification. So anything prior to giving our life to Christ, we need something to cleanse us, change us, save us. And, and justified means you're now going to be like it never happened. What God's decided through Jesus dying on the cross for you and dying on the cross for me to, to make it just as if it never happened, justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. And God says through Jesus Christ, he takes the punishment. He takes the sin. He takes the shame. He takes the guilt. And he saves us from God's wrath. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The word reconciled means to be brought back together. I have uh, had the pleasure in my life of helping people reconcile. It's one of the most beautiful things that happens when someone's this far apart and you bring them together and they really now love each other. God said, I want to bring you to me so we can really love each other. I want to bring that reconciliation. And he said, not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. So God's solutions, Jesus. God's solutions, Jesus. And Jesus came uh, and walked this earth and lived a sinless life. And, and then he reached out to us when we were at our worst. He died for us knowing all that we've ever done, said, or thought. And he said, you know what? I do it because I love you. That's the good news. The good news is God is angry at sin, but he loves you. And the good news is Jesus Christ came to be the solution. Uh, Romans 6 verses 22 and 23 say this, but now having been freed from sin, when you commit your life to Jesus, you're freed from sin, but you become enslaved to God out of love. Uh, it says you derive the benefit resulting in, and here's another cool word, sanctification. Sanctification means you're made holy. So you go from being bad, not just to good, you go to better to holy. You're holy to God. You're, you're special to God. The word holy also means special. That God now treats you as valuable and special. And the outcome's eternal life. Now, before that, it was eternal death. Now it's eternal life. And it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so what happens is God wants you to, to experience that. Now, so he said, here's the sin. Uh, you need to know the problem of sin uh, in your life. And there is a solution, but when you understand the solution, you have a choice to accept that solution and become saved. So how do I enter in this relationship with God? What is the roadmap of salvation? Uh, everybody has sinned. Jesus died for everybody uh, so we could be freed from sin and, and come to be committed to God. And then when we do that, we go to being saved a, a, a long ways from here to here. Uh, and so God wants you to experience that. And in Romans chapter eight, verse one, it says this, notice we're traveling through Romans together. And in Romans eight, one says, therefore, 
There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So everybody deserves to be condemned and will be condemned apart from Christ Jesus. But because everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, none are good, no, not one. But in Jesus, you become not just good, you become holy. And now there's no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Freedom, no condemnation. You know why? Because you're a new creation. In Christ Jesus, you're a new creation. And the old you is dead and gone. The new you is alive. You have the Holy Spirit inside you now when you commit your life to Christ. And so what happens is, is God says, now I don't want you to live under condemnation anymore. By the way, some, I, I need to pause right now. For all of you who are believers, too many of you are living in condemnation. You're condemning yourself, but God doesn't do that now. The minute you're in Christ, all your sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future. Here's a, a question I get asked every now and then. If I'm a Christian and I, I know a sin is a sin and I commit it, will God forgive me? And, and this surprises people, yes. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Because we're not perfect. And God, God wants to work with us. God wants to help us. God wants us to get to a place where that sin doesn't have dominion in our life, but it never ready has condemnation if you're a Christian. And so God wants you to know you're free from sin, you're free from death, and you enter this relationship with Christ by having faith in him. Romans chapter 10 says, okay, how do you, now that you know this problem is sin and the solution is Jesus, how do you enter in to this relationship? And he says, what does it say? What does the Bible say? What does the gospel say? And the gospel's good news. It says, the word is near you. That's the word of salvation is close. Some of you are this close from being saved, this close from being reconciled to God, this close from being that new person and living in a new life and, and, and not having that evil take too much of you. He says, it's near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. Faith's a loving trust in God, which we are preaching that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. So how does the solution take place? How do you actually become saved? The Bible says it starts by confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now, Lord means he's, he's the one you, you give your life to. He's the one you live your life for. He's the one you, you want to love more than any other. And, and so it starts with you confessing with your mouth. Now, what does that mean? Praying. Prayer is when you talk to God. And when you make a confession prayer, by the way, interestingly, not that, hey, I'm a sinner. The confession prayer is, Jesus, you're a savior. And I want you as my Lord. Isn't that interesting? And so it begins by confessing with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, in other words, have faith in your hearts. That word believe in faith is the same. That loving trust in your heart. Now notice it's not just in your head, it's in your heart. And God says, in that moment, you're saved. That, that second, you're saved. And God knew it would come. He knew you'd say yes. <sighs> for some of you knows you're gonna say no, but don't say no. He knew you'll say yes. He goes, for with a heart, a person believes resulting in righteousness. So you see the righteousness happen in your life. Now, not unrighteousness, but righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses resulting in salvation. So for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. In other words, he won't turn you away. He'll not turn you away. And I want to say this, he's going to call you into a life that's incredible and amazing. Uh, one that is beyond description and beyond imagination. And he goes, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So right now, if you're a believer, this, this is something you would do. You would show someone, see, the problem is sin. The solution is Jesus. Salvation comes when you call on the name of the Lord. So you show them this. You show that person. I would actually sit in and get this picture out and say, let me walk you through what you need to do to, to come to know Christ. This is how you get in the game where you can share your story with them and then say, how would you like to become a Christian? By the way, uh, I think that uh, a lot of people are afraid to ask that question. I can't tell you how many times you get that question out and someone's like, yes, I, I want that. And, and you know why the Holy Spirit's working. And the Lord wants you to have it. If you're not a Christian, think about this. You do have sin in your life. 
But God has a solution to that sin. And he wants you now to travel this road where you can be saved. And if you call on the name of the Lord, he says, you'll be saved. You call out to him. Dr. Slayman did that. Dr. Slayman was reading the book of Romans. He got to that very passage that I just showed you. He had never read the Bible before. He didn't have anybody to help him except God. And he read that. And then he began to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And God wants you and I to do that. And he wants you and I to experience that. And so that's the great thing God wants. But it doesn't end there. It's not that you have sin and that ends it. Good news. There's a solution, which is Jesus There's salvation when you call on his name, but that's just the beginning. It's the beginning of a new life with him. The Bible calls that being born again. You're born again as a new creation and you're born again uh, into his salvation, his justification, his sanctification. And and you're born again into all that. And what happens now is, is God wants you to move to a place from being saved to surrender to his love, surrender to the life he has for you, surrender to everything he wants you to experience. Romans chapter 12 talks about that. Again, we're traveling through Romans. So notice everywhere we went started through Romans. And it says, therefore, now that you know Jesus loves you and cares about you, that he's the solution, that he died for you, even when you're at worst, there's no sin you could commit, that God wouldn't love you and help you. It goes, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, knowing God's mercies, to present your bodies. Notice to start with your physical body. A living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So physically, I want to honor God with my body. That means I don't want to do anything with my body that would not honor God. I I don't want to take into my body something that would dishonor God. Uh, That might be something I eat, or drink, or ingest, uh, you know, a narcotic or something like that. I don't want to do any of those things to create an unholy body. I don't want it to go into my mind. So I want to watch what I'm watching and be careful about what I'm listening to so that my body might be committed to God and I might be holy. And here's the thing that's so interesting to me. In the Get In The Game series, we started with the first week that you need to be able to tell your story. The second week, what did we talk about? Dr. Carolyn Leaf talked about how toxic thoughts can actually harm your brain. And it's interesting to me that a neuroscience today shows that the good things the Bible says you should be focused on of love, peace, joy, kindness, gentleness, self-control, those things, if you focus on those, your brain is healthy. The immorality that's out there, the meanness and cruelty that's out there, so much of what people are in, in, in indulging in and, and diving into and filling their minds with actually hurts your brain. By the way, because God, the God who says that he revealed himself in creation has shown you, he's shown you what's good. And, and so he said, I want you to make sure you're careful with how you treat your body. And, and by the way, in verse two, it goes on to say this. It says, and do not be conformed to this world. Uh, uh, all of the, by the way, when you become a Christian, God wants you to be renewed and transformed. He doesn't want you conformed to the world. He doesn't want you to be filled with hate. He wants you to be filled with love. He does, doesn't want you to be attacking people. He wants you to be caring for people. He doesn't want you to be selfish. He wants you to be selfless. He doesn't want you to look out for number one. He wants you to put others ahead of yourself. And and you know what's interesting? As someone trained in the area of psychology, I can tell you, when you do all the things I just said that God wants you to do, you're happier, you're healthier, your mental health's good. All those things, the research bears out what the Bible says works. And so he said, I don't want you to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this is what gets so exciting to me is that when you start renewing your mind, your brain actually changes, your brain actually heals. And so uh, by renewing your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. And so here's the thing that I believe is that, actually I know it's true, is that one of the reasons we can say God is real and the Bible is true is we can point to the fact that you're actually healthier neurologically, physically, your immune system, 
uh, your mental health, all of that. And it proves God's will is the way to go. Right now, there's so much unhappiness in so many people, maybe some of you right now. And you're not going to get happy. You're not going to get there. And if you keep doing the things that hurt you, God is saying, why not let me help you? Don't do that. You know, and, and there is a solution, and it's, it's Jesus. And you can be saved from all those things that are hurting you, harming you. Even things in your past that have been plaguing you, you can be. And, and you can prove God's will, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. It's that life you're meant for, that love you're meant for, all that God has for you. And he wants you to have that, and he wants you to experience it. So I, I want to show you again the roadmap and have you think about it with me. So everybody has sin. We see that. There's a, we all are a part of cultural sin, individual sin, national sin, and, and, and we are a world that's filled with sin and evil. And God doesn't like that world. And if you're wondering what a loving God would let that happen, let me tell you what, he also has a solution. This is the good news. We all have sin. The solution is Jesus. And, and Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins so that we had, could have it as a gift. It's a gift from God. Not You don't earn it. It's a gift that's given to you. And when you accept that gift, you become saved. And when you become saved and you surrender your life to Jesus, you start living out your identity and your purpose and, and you start finding love and care and joy and peace. And some of you right now need that. And so if I were taking you, if I sat and, and took you and read the verses that go with this, I'd say, what are you going to do about it now? Because I want to offer you an opportunity to pray with me and, and I'd love us to do that together where you can either commit or recommit your life to Christ so that now you'll be saved and then you can surrender and you can start living out this incredible plan God has for your life. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for you. God has love to give you. And by the way, when you're saved and surrender, God becomes your father. By the way, please don't miss this. There's a myth that everybody, everybody's a child of God. That's not true. Only those who commit their life to Christ are his children. And he wants to be your father. He wants to be your dad. He wants the relationship to be real. He wants it very, very real. So right now, if you're, you're watching this and you're not close to God, let's do that. Let's find you being freed from sin by the solution being Jesus, you then being saved and surrender your life to Christ by praying this prayer. Remember how you do it? The Bible says you confess with your mouth. You confess with your mouth. And, and interestingly, the Bible talks about you start privately by praying and confessing uh, to Jesus in prayer, which I'm going to lead that prayer in a moment. And then you also make a public confession of it. Jesus said, if you confess me before men or announce before men that you love him, he said, I'll announce in heaven that you're mine. So right now, I'm going to ask you to do both. I'm going to ask you to do both. And God has created us so that when we privately make this commitment and then publicly make it known, then it becomes real. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. If you want to pray this for the very first time, or you want to pray to recommit, or you want to commit your marriage to God or your family to God, or you want freedom from this because it's killing you, freedom from things that are hurting you, you want to really get free. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Then after you pray the prayer, I'm going to ask you to take a phone uh, or an iPad or a computer, and I want you to text. I want you to text AMEN to the number you see right there, 69922. Text AMEN. Now, why? Because when you do that and you're saying, I really mean this, AMEN means the truth, it means for real. When you do that, then what happens is it it's the first two steps of traveling this road so that you're here, now ready to head here. And so you confess by praying and you confess by texting. Or by the way, if you don't have an ability to text, email me, chuck at crossroadschurch.com and I'll get right back to you. By the way, if you text, we're gonna get right back to you and we wanna know who you are. And I'm gonna ask you to do this. Trust us. Trust us with something very precious, your name and a little bit of who you are so we can connect with you because we love you and care about you. Believe it or not, we do. And we wanna get some things to you to help you even get closer to God, to understand more, 
to go on a journey with us as you begin to experience all God has for you. So right now, right now I'm going to ask a question. Are you ready to say yes to God? I want to pray right now that some of you will. And by the way, if you love the Lord, would you, you pray with me for people to say yes to Jesus and to open their hearts to him and to commit themselves to him so they now will be here and be saved and ready to move here. So right now, Father, I pray for, I pray for the fathers out there that, Lord, right now they, they need to open their hearts to you and give their lives to you. Their children need to have a godly dad. They need to be a godly man who leads their family and cares for their family in a godly way. And there's some right now who are watching and they haven't been doing that. And, and a couple of guys, but not just one, more than one has thought, man, I, I didn't think I'd be this bad as a father. I didn't think I'd blow it this much. But they can't do it on their own. They need you, Jesus. So I pray they're gonna open their hearts to you now. I pray for uh, uh, some people out there who are single, men and women. And uh, they feel lonely right now. They're just, they've never felt lonelier. And this is a time for your love to come to them. And I pray they're going to open their hearts to you right now. It's a difficult season to be single. But it's a great time to know your love. So I pray they're going to pray this prayer. I pray uh, for some of the moms who are there out there and this week already, they just feel like they can't go on with the way things are. It's just too hard and too frustrating and too painful. And it doesn't have to be. Because Lord, if they would open up to you, it will change. So I pray right now for people who need to either need to commit their lives to you or recommit their life to you. And I pray they're going to pray this prayer. By the way, I'm praying for you right now. I've actually been praying all week for people. I've been praying for you. I may not know your name. God knows your name. And I'm praying for you to pray this prayer with me. To say yes to God, to the one who loves you most. And receive the gift of Jesus and salvation. So if you're ready to do that, either for the first time or to recommit, say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything that's holding me back or holding me down. And then say this, I pray you'll make me yours I pray you'll make me alive and I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes. And if that's all you can say, just say, I say yes. I say yes to you and I say yes to the life you have for me. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my savior and I want my life to be yours. So take me now and fill me with your spirit and draw me close to you. For this I pray in Jesus' name. And get ready for the word. Amen. Amen. If all you could say is I say yes, then say it. Just right now say, I say yes to you as Lord of my life. I say yes to you and commit my life. Just say those words. I, I feel like there's somebody, you almost prayed the prayer and you didn't. Come on, I know that. And, and do it right now. Just say, I, I, you know what, what matters is I'm going to say yes to God. I'm going to say yes to just, just say that to him. And then text in amen uh, to 69922. Uh, text in that amen. Don't hold back from that, by the way. And, and interact with us, connect with us, because we care about you.